Hey everyone, this is Jay Johnson from One with the Undercard. Do you want to support your favorite heels and a great small business at the same time? Look no further than holdfastcoffeeco.com, where you can use the promo code HEELTURN20 to get 20% off your entire basket. They're great people, it's great coffee, and their coffee is responsibly sourced. Turn to Hold Fast Coffee Company for all of your coffee needs. And now for this week's episode. You are listening to the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. The love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling. This is one with the undercard, all elite edition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number thirty of One with the Undercard, your number one analysis of all things all elite wrestling. And I guess we got to say it right off the top, Silky. Um, you know what day it, or you know what that means, or whatever, right? I, I don't know what the Brody Lee uh, catchphrase is. What is it? I don't know. Um, okay, well, we're so well versed. You know what day it is? I think that's. What I think it's a being the elite thing. I'll watch that. Yeah. Um, well, but we're here to bring you the best, and are we allowed to bring you the worst this week? I have some criticisms, not of the way AEW did things, but of course with some matches. So yeah, we are here to bring you the best and the worst uh, of what was All Elite Wrestling that took place yeah. on, uh, I believe was January 30th. It was The January last 30th. Dynamite of 2020. Yep. Um, and welcome to yep. a new year, everyone. Absolutely. So, uh, for those who don't know, John Huber, aka Brody Lee, passed away at the age of forty-one. Really young. I mean, me and me and Silky here are not that far away from that. So it just seems like, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of surreal, but at the same time, you know, because you felt like this guy's been. I mean, wrestling fans, it feels like the the guy's been in your life for a while now, and it's it's a weird feeling, you know. But at the same time, I feel like. Uh, a lot of people let their feelings known on Twitter and, and various outlets. And and look, this, this this episode of One with the Undercar, we always pride you on bringing you the best, you know, and being as critical as we can because we, we love the shit. So we want to be as critical as we can. This week will be a little bit of a different tone. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about the matches and stuff, but re- realistically, these matches don't really have any you know, they, they don't really have any true consequence. So, no. um, yeah. So while, while we're going to talk about it and while obviously we're going to, we're just going to kind of fight through it like everybody else has, uh, these matches don't really have a lot of like, you know, so, so it's just going to be one of those things. This, where yeah. This was a special, this was a special, this was a unique episode. Um, this has nothing to do with furthering storylines. This has nothing to do with anything ongoing in all elite wrestling, this had everything to do with honoring the life of Mr. Brody Lee, uh, and yeah. we wish, uh, his family, uh, the best. We send our, uh, our thoughts, prayers, concerns, etc. um, to the Huber family. Oh, absolutely. Uh, look, it's always weird. It's always weird because we've, as wrestling fans, you know, you, you kind of get used to not used to, it's terrible to say that, but you kind of get, you're kind of numb to the fact that these dudes die at a young age, you know, and, you know, Eddie Guerrero and, and all these other guys, you know, they, they die at a really young age. And, mm-hmm. and, but I've just, I've, I don't think we've ever seen it to where it happens 
while somebody's like mid, you know what I mean? Mid push or whatever, you know? And then, um, you got guys at the pro wrestling torch, writing Ridiculous columns like AEW and, and, uh, Mr. Huber's wife are, are covering everything up. Like he had COVID and they're all covering it up. Oh boy. I don't even know where to kind of dive into that one, but, um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts to this, and again, this isn't going to be a normal me and me and Silky here. We like to talk a lot of shit, but uh, you know, today it's just going to be more like uh, just a straight shooting the breeze and things like that. Because again, these matches don't really have much consequence. But uh, with all that being said, Jay, let's get into this, buddy. Let's and do it. Uh, I, I'm going to talk like I do every. I'm going to try to act like this is a normal week, even though again, I know it's not. But uh, the ratings did come out and. and the thing that I said to you, Jay, right after these came out is very interesting uh, to me. Anyway, it's very interesting. Um, still don't break a million. They still don't break a million, which is shocking. to yeah. me. that is that is shocking to me. Now, NXT went down a little bit. Five hundred eighty six thousand. Obviously, Ooh. this week isn't about ratings. This week isn't about that. But like, I think it's very indicative, though. 977,000. I mean, that to me, it just, man, like wrestling is just not, you know what I mean? Like, cause you felt like the entire wrestling community was going to come together. And, and a lot of them did, you know, on, on social media and things like that. A lot of guys from WWE, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to watch tonight, which, um, you know, was kind of unheard of, you know, you see all these guys in the wrestling community kind of coming together and things like that. So, for them to only do 977,000 is a bit shocking, but again, uh, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I know that, and I, I just like to rile you up every single week, Jay, but, uh, I know the ratings don't really matter much, but I just think that that, I think this week more than ever, you know, obviously AEW took a lot of viewers from NXT because you got to figure, even if there's a 200,000 switch, you know, they're right about in the middle. So, they probably took a lot away from it. I thought what uh, WWE did with Raw, with not just having like him on a graphic, that was a little weird because the guy was in the company and he did play a big role in the Wyatt family and things like that. You would think he would have had a package and stuff, but he didn't do anything. Then AEW has this great tribute show, and then all of a sudden, Jay, you guessed it, WWE now is a tribute video out. Yeah. All of a sudden, huh? How weird that is that that, that happens like that. Boy, how but, about uh, that? Yeah, so uh, 977,000, though. I mean, you're just under a million. So, look, a lot of people, this this week meant a lot, of, a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, I think as wrestling fans, it, it was kind of nice to be able to share in that, uh, share in the life of this guy because obviously he touched guys, um, guys and girls in the industry, um, you know, like, like a lot of people haven't. So, uh, big, big thoughts and, and the old T and P's, you know, the old thoughts and prayers over to the Huber family. Uh, I can't even imagine having small children like that and leaving. No. Them. So, um, so, so look, we're just going to get into the show here. Obviously it's the Brody Lee tribute show. Jim Ross opens up saying uh, it's Wednesday and you know what that means. I'm sorry for butchering the catchphrase in the beginning of the show. I feel like I didn't even know that was his catchphrase. That is his catchphrase. Well, you know, silky for those of us on Twitter, you know, that, that's, he would tweet it out every week. So, um, but yeah, so that's how Jim Ross opened the show. The whole roster's out there. 10 bell salute at about ring eight people in the crowd. Can't count. Start chanting Brody. Yeah. That felt, that felt rough. 
Yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, his wife and his son Brody Jr. are minus one, uh, part of the Dark Order now, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, they're all out there, man, and it, it was a tough scene to see. Uh, a lot of guys again. There's a lot of guys affected by by this guy in life, and and I think that Jay, if we take anything away from a show like this, it's be protective of who you are on the earth because this is how you're going to be remembered. Yes. Not what you did in life and things or what you did in life are going to, you know? So I, I think that this is a very um, harrowing tale of man, just be nice to people, be good to people. You know what I mean? And, and this kind of stuff happens. So obviously this guy's beloved all over the, the wrestling industry. Um, John Moxley's the first one uh, with these little interviews that it really was reminiscent of when Owen Hart passed away, when Andy Guerrero passes away. Uh, they talk about, I mean, he just talks about them running up and down, you know, uh, through the Indies together. Uh, they've been in bingo halls and packed arenas and stadiums, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said they're there tonight to celebrate a great human. Uh, and, and that's going to be the ongoing theme um, for the, for the whole night, you know, and a lot of these packages are going to say, um, yeah, they, they really, they really thought Brody Lee was, was larger than life. So, um, with all that being said, Jay, uh, how did you feel about the opening of the show? Did you feel, um, I mean, did you feel like it was well done? I did. It was, in, it was in good taste, uh, except for those assholes who started chanting Brody after the eighth bell. Um, every, everything that they did in this show was, was in really good taste and was, I think back to, um, like you've mentioned, we're old enough to remember, uh, the death of several superstars. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, I think this was probably more so driven, um, than any other tribute show I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was definitely, you can tell they put a lot of thought behind it. And again, the the care and the things that go into stuff like this, you can really tell in the end product and Tony Khan. I mean, look, he's a longtime listener of the show. We give him shit a lot. You know what I mean? But, but at the end of the day, I felt like he booked this, uh, the show really well. So, uh, for, for having as much notice as they did, I think they put the show together in like three days. You know what I mean? Cause the, the news came down on Sunday or whatever. So, um, but the first match is the young bucks and Colt Cabana, who is a member of the dark order. Another ongoing theme for the night, uh, take on Matt Hardy and private party. Uh, I got to say about this match, Jay, um, I think that, uh, private party really impressed me in this one. Mm. Uh, they seemed like, uh, they hit some cool moves. Obviously, uh, the, I think the coolest spot of the whole match, uh, was towards the end. Uh, Matt Hardy comes off with a leg drop and then the guy just gets hit with several aerial moves ending with, uh, Mark Quinn hitting that beautiful, uh, shooting star press. Love that. Um, but there, but there's a lot of back and forth. Obviously, uh, with any Young Bucks match and, and private parties right there behind him, there wasn't a lot towards the rules. I actually witnessed the referee at one point in this, Jay. I actually witnessed the referee just uh, scold the guy for not making a tag and then just gave up. Ah, well, whatever. Yeah, like what? referees just don't matter in AEW. What, what, what are we doing here, man? Like, what are we doing here? You know? And the, like – so there was a point where Colt Cabana tags in one of the Bucks, and mm-hmm. both Bucks came in to do yeah. some double team moves. Like, not yeah. the guy that got to like. I think, that, and I texted you this while I was watching the show. I think that there was more. Uh, I think that 
the rules even mattered more in tag team matches than ECW. <laughs> you did text me that for real. You did. Like you said, you thought that I tag team matches had more rules in ECW, which is, which is hilarious to think about. It, it's really because ECW we thought was the craziest shit we'd ever seen in our life. And not that AEW is doing anything that we've haven't seen before or anything, but they're, they're blatant. They're just blatant disregard for the rules is something I'll just never understand. It's they're like just they're, baffling. They're just trying it's to write. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, towards the end again, private party or they all hit the aerial moves. Private party hits the, uh, the gin and juice. Uh, Matt Hardy hits a twist. Which is no. choreographed, and I've, I say this week after week, it's choreographed, but damn, it looks so good. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, but the, for me, there's a little bit too much cooperation for that move. Uh, but 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 what do I know? I'm just some guy. Um, but the Young Bucks kind of take back the advantage. They hit the Indy Taker double team, which is like a tombstone uh, kind of thing, like almost like the Melcher driver. And mm-hmm. then Cole Cabana hits the uh, Superman pin to pick up the win after 14 minutes. I think with Cole Cabana winning this match, it set the tone that all the Dark Order guys are going over, right? We yes. kind of established that right off the top. Because – Cole Caban has been on dark for two months now. And I, and again, I know these matches don't really have a lot in their honoring and, but I'm just trying to put on my critical hat when I can Cole Caban picking up the win. You just kind of figured it's all dark order. It's all dark order from here. Yep. Yeah. That's the only thing you can take away from that. Um, But uh, I I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of cool. Like it, it was, it was, it was a young bucks match, but it wasn't like egregious like some of theirs have been. So I'll give him credit. I mean, it, it was it was something. But uh, after the match, uh, who comes out? Jay, isn't it the acclaimed? Uh, yeah, the acclaimed come out. Yeah, and they yeah. come out after the Bucks and yeah, and then uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are out right after them uh, to kind of scare them off. So it looks like we might get the acclaimed and SCU before we get the acclaimed and the Young Bucks. Or I could could you see a triple threat tag team match at, at Revolution? I hope not. Be, yeah. I, well, you know. I don't know, but uh, it, it could be cool. I think. I, I think there's a lot of potential behind it. Um, next, we get a we get one of the interviews with Darby Allen. Doesn't have any of the makeup on. Uh, he talks about when Brody Lee came into AEW, he wanted to be the first one to wrestle him. Uh, he said that Allen, you know, he just talks about how he wasn't being selfish. He just wanted to pick people up, and and he wanted to use all of um, John's, you know, knowledge and things like that. Um, and then Allen says that that was the one guy he wanted to wrestle. So uh, for somebody like Darby Allen, you know, to be torn up about it, you know, this guy obviously uh, meant a lot to a lot of people. So again, an ongoing theme for the night. Um, next we have Lance Archer with dark order members, Stu Grayson, and evil Uno Lance Archer in the classic Luke Harper attire. Yes. With the, uh, with the jeans and the, uh, the white tank top uh they are taking on eddie kingston the butcher and the blade uh kingston comes out and cuts a promo you know standard stuff but uh but jay before i kind of break down the match what did you think of this one uh eddie kingston remains to be the most real guy in all of aew um one of the things that i have some thoughts about and i know that results tonight don't matter or results from this show don't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, this, it's all a wash. And it really actually is helpful because it's the end of the year. It's the last time out of the year. So all of the rankings and et cetera reset on January 1st. But mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston can't afford to be taking many more losses, man. 
again, and I love how you preface that by saying, like, we know these matches don't matter because we've been saying it throughout the whole show already. We've already, we, you know, we've been saying it every single time. But you're right. Eddie Kingston cannot be taking a lot more L's. <laughs> that's that's a great, that's a great, uh, great analysis there. Um, but uh, well, think some, about it. Who is who has Eddie Kingston beat recently on Dynamite? Well, I mean, he's been he's been in a feud with with Pac and Lance Archer at the same time. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he's picked up any win of consequence on Dynamite as of late. Yeah. But, uh, one of the uh, things I one of the things I liked about this match, Jake Roberts gets involved. Uh, with a little pull of the ankle. Yeah. So, I mean, like... You uh, don't see that very often in AEW. Not enough managers get involved. For sure. Uh, something that stood out to me, Jericho on commentary. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, Chris Jericho is on commentary here. Um, he says that Brody was a lot like Owen Hart and Eddie Guerrero where you couldn't say a bad thing about him. I think that that uh, huge praise there from Jericho. Uh, but the Butcher and the Blade, you know, they get a lot of, they get a lot of heat on them, you know. But uh, at the end of the day... I think this is a good back and forth match. I think Stu Grayson um, is kind of a little, I don't know. I don't know if I like Uno and, and, and Stu Grayson. I haven't kind of made up my mind yet. Um, I, I think from the, from the start, it was, you know, you knew that either Uno or Stu Grayson was going to pick up the win. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hit the, they hit the fatality at the end uh, to, to pick up the win. So the match goes about 11 minutes or so, you know, it's, it's not too bad, you know. Again, a lot of these matches probably um, are at about seventy-five percent. You'd think they're just out there trying to pay tribute to their friends. So, but I think for, um, for the most part, I think that uh, you know, I don't think it was anything outrageous. What you know, so to put a nice little bow on it, Jay, would you would you agree with that? Like, it's just not. It was fine. Yeah, I mean, fine. it was fine. So, <laughs> uh, next we get another interview with Dax Harwood. Uh, part of the uh, Harwood, uh, part of the uh, tag team FTR. Um, he talks about uh, how he would put Brody Lee on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling dads, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, he, he talks about, uh, you know, just all kind. Well, that was Cole Cabana. I'm sorry. I, I spoke at it. That wasn't Cole Cabana. No, that was, that was, that was Dax Harwood. No, uh, that was Bryce Remsburg. That's who it was. The referee said that. Uh, um, Cole Cabana just talks about how, um, he, Brody always wanted to go home and be with his family, you know? So we get three guys here. I made the mistake. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but, uh, all three of them make great points about how, you know, Brody was a, was a, just a, a good dad. And he just always wanted to be there for their kids. And it's always nice to hear that, man. Like it's always nice yeah. to hear whenever guys, you know, really go above and beyond for their family, putting their family first, you know, cause I think a lot of times in any, in every industry, uh, a lot of times, you know, guys put their family on the back burner, and that's just not the way to be, man. You need to be family first, and it's great to see that Brody Lee was like that. Yes. Um, uh, next, we have the, the John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Hangman Adam Page, who was a, uh, a member of the Dark Order, at least for the night, uh, taking on Maxwell, Jacob Freeman, Santana, and Ortiz, all part of the inner circle. MJF, I cannot take him seriously with this fucking headband on, but um, look, he was a honorary I think they called him. I don't know, or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not up with my hip lingo. I'm not going to call him that. You can call him that. Well, that's what they said on the show. Oh, is it? Oh, I missed yeah. that. Yeah, well, it's uh, some of us watched the show. Also, can you please, and I get it, the results from tonight don't matter. We'll say it for the 50th time. But can you never refer to Adam Page as a member of the Dark Order for one night to me ever again? 
Well, I mean, that's that's what happens, isn't it? He like, tagged with them last week. He tagged with them this week because it made sense, the most sense. We got huh. to see Hangman in action. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think true. one of the things that stuck out most to me in this match is that MJF stays in character. Yeah, yeah, because he starts talking shit to, to his kid at ringside. Which he I thought was tweeted a great out call. afterwards, so spoiler – uh, Brody Jr. hits uh, MJF in the head with a kendo stick, which leads to the ultimately leads to the fall. And after the show, MJF tweeted out, "Fuck that kid." <laughs> yeah, which he's caught a he's caught a lot of heat for that. But also, like, hey, thank you for taking kayfabe seriously in 2020. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, I like the back and forth between Adam Page and MJF in this match. I thought it was really good. Um, I think those two have, you know bright futures in front of them for, for sure. Um, yes. John Silver hits uh, like a destroyer, which I thought was kind of cool. He hits a suicide dive on the outside. Um, MJF hits the heat seeker, which I think is another cool move. Uh, there was a lot of he back the heat seeker. So it's like a uh, pile driver between the ropes. He hit it on John Silver and you're supposed to bounce off that middle rope. John Silver did not do that. He just came straight through the ropes because he's about three feet tall. Oh, God. Like, it was just, it, it was something. So, it was something to see. Uh, but towards the end, Eric Rowan, uh, yes. or Eric Redbeard here, uh, comes in and he and he slams Wardlow down to the mat. Um and uh, Jericho keeps calling him uh, Eric or Eric Rowan, and I don't think that you can do that on AEW, but he kept doing it. What's, uh, just, if WWE sues over that, then like they have no tact. Yes, yeah, I don't even know what tact means, but I'll take it. Um, but that obviously gives the Dark Order the upper hand. Page hits the buckshot lariat on Ortiz, uh, and John and John Silver covered him, uh, but. Uh, I think I everybody know. knew John Silver was picking up the fall in this one. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably kind of written on the wall. Um, but uh, yeah, towards the end, Bro- or, uh, Brody Lee Jr. hits MJF with the kendo stick, um, and then uh, yeah, he hit, oh yeah, John Silver hits the discus clothesline to pick up the win. So I mean, yeah. look, thirteen minutes. You're right, MJF staying in character. Thumbs up from here. You know what I mean? Thumbs up from the one with the undercard crowd. So, uh, big, uh, but I, I thought that the Brody Lee Jr., um, I thought that little interaction was cool too. And that MJF was really kind of buying into it. You know, I'm, I'm all for it. So, mm-hmm. uh, big shout, big shout out for that. Uh, next we get Eddie Kingston in the interview. Uh, he starts talking about, uh, everything that he's, that he's going to miss about Brody Lee, including busting his balls and, and things like that. Um, and Kingston says that he that he told uh, that his sons that his father's never gone as long as they're alive because when you remember them they're never gone. I, I thought that was a really cool line. I'm um, not big. I'm not one for emotional display. Was that, that one just about oh, got me? We lost you, but uh, oh, I'm right here. But, but yeah. So I look. I think there's a back? lot that. Uh, Am I here? I think that uh, at the end of the day, oh, I don't know. Oh, we got Jay back. Jay, oh, what did you think of, of Eddie Kingston? Like. Uh, kind of chiming in right here yeah i'm not one for uh emotional uh displays but that one just about got me um Uh-oh. that was probably Uh-oh. the closest i got to tears in the night 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, Eddie Kingston's really uh He's damn he good on the mic. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and I just wish his ring attire was different and I wish he was booked differently. <laughs> That's all I ask. Like, He's on, a star and he needs to look like one and he come needs on. to be treated like one. Come on. A singlet with basketball shorts. I don't think that's the appropriate, uh, really appropriate for what you're going for. So, uh, anyway. He's really but, nailing the, like, 2007 look, like, really I know. well. Pretty exciting stuff, you know. But uh, next we get uh, Britt Baker coming out with Rebel, not Reba, and Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian and Miro. They're taking on Tay Conti and Anna Jay of the Dark Order. Not much going on with this match. It goes about 10 minutes Obviously, Anna Jay gets the win at the end um, when she puts uh, who would she put uh, the Queen Slayer submission on, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yes. and, uh, and Tay Conti. Um, yep. So I mean that it was fine. Like uh, again, Britt Baker's booking is really bizarre. Like uh, one week I love Britt Baker, the next week I just don't know. Well, then maybe you like the end of the match where uh, Thunder Rosa came out and attacked her. Yeah, yeah, and and look, I've been I've been in I've been a proponent of this for a long time. I think Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. I mean, I think that's magic in a bottle, man. I think that those two can really go at it, can go toe to toe. Who do you think is going Britt over? Baker. Now, this may be a Revolution spoiler because I think this match is probably happening at Revolution. Who do you think is going over? Oh man, um, ask me again in a couple of weeks, Jay. I'm not. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to play it close to the vest, baby. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But, but uh, well, look, we're gonna we got plenty of time to talk about that as the build up to Revolution starts, you know. Um, but but yeah, so then they they talk about New Year's Smash Night One next week, which is um, the show that was supposed to be this week. You know, Snoop Dogg is there. All right, yeah. And that, that ridiculous show Cody Rhodes is on. Um, Kenny Omega defends the AEW world title against Ray Phoenix. That's going to be a good match. Uh, John Moxley's back. Akaro Shida takes on Abaddon. That's going to be a good match. Is it? Well, look, I think Abaddon's a really cool character. Um, I think Abaddon looks like the penguin if the penguin was a woman and did drugs. I feel it. Um, the Young Bucks and SCU taking on the acclaimed and the hybrid two. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Things were going so well. Tag match. Wait, I'm sorry. A what? A what match? It's an eight-man tag match. There is no god. There... <laughs> uh, Jake Hager taking on Wardlow. That's the big blow-off, right there, baby. Right there uh, it is. Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and then Cody Rhodes taking on Matt Seidel and Chris Jericho is back on commentary next week that's actually pretty exciting i i don't know how i feel about that snoop dogg on commentary and chris jericho on commentary and you know excalibur's not stepping away and they'd be fools to have tony or jr step off four in the box just feels like too much like i don't know like um i think that it's (coughs) it it, it's a four-man booth is hard a four-man booth is really hard to navigate um, I think they've done an all right job of it. Although when I was watching the show, I felt like guys were just Jr. was not on this show at all. Like he, it wasn't Jim Ross. You know what I mean? Like it, and I say this every time, and you, and you tell me I'm full of shit and things like that. This is not the Jim Ross that we know. This is not the Jim Ross that we know. I love Jim Ross. This is not it, man. 
at no point in AEW during any match that I've seen of theirs in history have I gotten that JR feel. I just haven't got it. You know, and I don't know what it is. I just watched a bunch of matches back in the day of Jim Ross calling the hell in a cell with the Undertaker Mankind, things like that. That's quintessential Jim Ross. I don't know what AEW Jim Ross is, but I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, anyway, thank you for welcome to my TED Talk. But um, Next, Chris Jericho's next, talking about Brody Lee. said he's talked, he's worked with him 27 times in his career. Uh, they, they said they went to Saudi Arabia, and uh, they talked about some sticker on the roof, and he said it's uh, like a Mecca. I don't know what that is. Uh, Mecca but he is said the holy place for uh, people who follow the um, religion, which I believe oh, is okay. Islam. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's fun. You learn something new every day, I suppose. Um, right, I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. I think it's Mecca, isn't it? Yes, Islam, okay. which would be okay. Muslim. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so Jericho says that Brody was very smart and very funny and was sarcastic. Sounds a lot like your boy over here. Uh, Jericho said he believed You're in him. yourself too much credit. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jericho said he believed in Brody Lee. He helped him bring, into, uh, bring him into AEW and that uh, he, he proved in the last six months he could be a main event wrestler. And uh, Jericho talks about a dog. He said it's always angry towards strangers and not friendly. But when John came over, he was always really nice to him. And then Jericho says that they will uh, take care of Brody's family forever. I, th- I thought it was a very touching tribute yes. uh, from, from Lionheart Chris Jericho. That's what I'm going to refer to him as forever. Uh, which brings us to our main event. I know it, it kind of uh, kind of flew by. But, uh, again, the, these matches, you know, it's it's not the typical show that, that we kind of break down and, and shit on sometimes. And, you know, sometimes this is a – this is, uh, I don't know. So I, I think that... Um, Even we as media personalities, Lance, can uh, can have a heart for a week. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what this is. So main event time, it is Cody Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, and the Dark Orders 10 taking on Team Taz, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Accompanied by Captain Hook and Taz yeah. himself. Yes, absolutely. So, and I believe this uh, match, or at least the team, was handpicked by Brody Jr. Yeah, yeah, because so, this was uh, this, this was is his a, favorite. This is quite a hodgepodge team, but uh, I'm not. Who am I to tell a nine year old that he's wrong for booking his three favorite wrestlers together on a team? Yeah. You know, if I if if at nine years old, and I would have been older at the time, but at nine, you know, if I had the opportunity to book The Rock, Stone Cold, and Kurt Angle all on the same team, oh baby, I would have done it. Yeah, that would have been sick. I mean, obviously, like, you don't want it to be under those circumstances. But, you know, again, I think AEW did a great job here. And I think that, look, the main event is what – hey, look, if if the kid says these are my favorite wrestlers, then, yeah, they're going on last. They're going on last. And guess who's going over? Yep. I'll give you two guesses, but you're only going to need one. Uh, But there's a lot of back and forth here. Uh, Hobbs hits a beautiful delayed suplex. Uh, Cage comes in, he hits his own, you know, Mr. Facial Hair himself. Uh, Cage and Cody go at it, which I think was kind of cool. Um, Ten does like a kind of like a power bomb that Brody Lee used to do. Um, it's just a lot of back and forth and back and forth. And you know what? I am here for it. Uh, Orange Cassidy towards the end hits the orange punch on Starks. Cody hits the uh, crossroads on Starks. And then Ten hits a spine buster 
uh, to pick up the win after 12 minutes. Again, I, I thought the match was great. or Not great, but I think the match was good. Uh, Ten, Ten's got a great physique. I don't know why he's why you put him under a mask and stuff. Like he looks like he could be, you know, a, a yeah. good wrestler. You. I, I, unless I he's got a face like yours, I have no idea why they've got the mask on him. That and God like why don't they, why don't they just call him by his name? He just sounds like a, and I'm I will shit on this. I did text it to you. He sounds like a shitty combo order at rallies or something. Just call him by his real name. Mm, you know, Dark Order Ten. You know, so um, I'll have a dark order number ten. No, uh, no mayonnaise, no pickle. A dark order number ten. Uh, Doctor Pepper to drink. <laughs> um, after the match, the heels get in. They beat up the faces, and Taz Hook, Captain Hook, hits a suplex on Orange Cassidy. Uh, Cage hits Cody with it with a power bomb that looked really good. Um, and then Hobbs goes and does a move, and all the lights go out. Jericho what says, happens? "What does this mean? Come on." Come on. Jericho says, what does this mean? Darby Allen's out first, followed by your boy Sting. All right. Um, so apparently all know. Sting is going to do is just like make uh, members of Team Taz piss their pants. I don't understand. And I'm like, I'm genuinely confused how four, five, is it five of them now? Grown adult men are going to piss their pants because one Sting is approaching the ring. Yeah. They're, they're bad, right? We're supposed to believe they're bad motherfuckers, right? All of a sudden, oh no, now one sting comes out and that's all it takes. That's it, man. That's enough to strike fear in anybody. It's not enough. It it should not be enough to strike fear in the hearts of five grown men. Sure, he has a baseball bat, but like that's only bringing his numbers up to like two on five. And he's 70. Yeah. He's not 70. He's not 70, but he... It seems like he's... I've been watching Sting for what feels like three quarters of my life. Like, yeah. seriously. I mean, I remember... I, I talked about this when he first debuted in AEW. I don't remember Bleach Blonde Sting. That was a little before my time. But I remember when Sting had, like, the long brown hair and the and the bright tights before he was the crow. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think that... It's always fun seeing Sting, but again, we've talked about this over and over and over and over again. Are they going to find anything else for this guy to do? Hey, apparently, than- all he can do right now is just come out and uh, he can just you know, come out and strike fear in the hearts of Team Taz, of grown yeah. men. What's funny is I was watching uh, I was watching a documentary on Seth Rollins and Sting. That's the match that ended Sting's career. And he said the doctor told him if he takes one more bump in the ring, it's either nothing from the neck down or death. So why would you get in the ring? I'm not saying he's going to, but like if, even if he has a match, like why you know he's going it, to, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Stinger? Cause I like need you. it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. And if he, if he takes that bump and something gets fucked up, then what happens? What's your protocol? AEW? I, I don't know. I don't, that would be terrifying. Yeah, it, re- it really would. But uh, to end the show, there's a Brody Lee tribute. Cody Rhodes, yes. uh, Tony Khan, and, and a couple of other people are in the ring. Cody just talks about uh, Brody being a beautiful man, leaving a beautiful legacy. Um, he introduces Brody's son, who has the full treatment, you know, the music and everything, comes out of the ring. Um, Tony Khan there, he presents him. Uh, well, no, they put the boots in the middle of the ring first and put the yes. bandana on top of it. Uh, very emotional moment there because um, that's what uh, 
that's what John came down to the ring with, you know, in, in standard boots and, and bandana. So obviously laying them in the middle of the ring felt like they were laying him to rest a little bit. Um, and then Tony Khan presents Brody Lee Jr. or minus one, if you will. We'll, we'll call him that for, for these for this uh for the sake of this, um, they present him with the TNT world champion said he will be the TNT world champion for life. Turns out they actually gave him the title belt. The actual title. Him. Yeah. They, uh, I think Darby's getting a new title. Ta- Darby's getting like that, a new title with, I think a new, with a new name. That's fucking sick. Like that's sick yeah. for real. You know, here's so, what I think, here's what I think the gesture behind that is. I think AEW probably has some sort of bonus for their champion. And if Brody Jr. is on the books as a champion for I can see that. however long, then he's probably getting some sort of his, – his uh, family's probably getting some sort of compensation. Well, they uh, – well, they uh, well, they uh, signed him to a contract, so he's now he now has a futures contract, which is yes. kind of nice. Um, so, obviously, him and his family are going to be on the payroll a little bit, which are good. Yeah, you know, it's it really nice. That's yeah. – that's, a really uh, WWE, I don't think it would it would even dream of doing that. Hell, hell no, hell um, no. So for for them to to offer to take care of the Huber family for a um, undetermined oh, no. amount of time, or at least unknown to us, is is a real classy move. Yeah, you know why I know Vince McMahon wouldn't do it. Watch the Dark Side of the Ring on Owen Hart, where he sued Owen Hart's wife. Yeah, after Owen Hart died at an event. Yeah, that's all I know. Vince McMahon would never do that, you know, but uh, there is a there is a package to end the show, though. I think it's Tom Waits. I think it's uh, It's Tom. uh, Yeah, but uh, it turns out that Tony Khan actually bought the rights to the song for that that package. That package will uh, that package will live on forever. So, look, um, to kind of put a nice bow on this, I thought I thought the show was good. You know, obviously, we're not going to go through it with a fine-tooth comb because, you know, it's more of a tribute to a guy that really felt like he, you know, he deserved a tribute. So, uh, big shout-out to AEW for everything they did for this guy. Big yeah. shout-out to, you know, um, Tony Khan for really stepping up and being the man. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to Brody Lee's family, you know, because, again, you got you got young kids and a wife, man, you leave behind. It's never easy. Um, it's never fun to think about, but, uh, you know, that's a grim reality that we live in a lot of times. So, um, yeah. And I think this is, I think this could be a good topic to end the show on. And I think this is, I think this is the reason that you and I, uh, prefer AEW, Mm -hmm. even as critical as we are of the product, um, they're good to their people. They care. They have an owner that at least really genuinely cares about his employees uh, and call and would call them employees, not contractors. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I don't always love the, the content uh, because of a difference of opinion, but um, they, they genuinely care about their athletes and they take care of their athletes. Yeah. And, th- and that's, that's huge and important. You know, Tony Khan takes a lot of shit from people in the wrestling community because he doesn't come from there. You know, it's kind of like, I hate to make this analogy, but it's kind of like when Donald Trump was elected president. It's because, oh, he's just an outsider. We're going to drain the swamp, you know. Tony Khan kind of has that same feeling. He's not a wrestling guy, you know. He just watches it like the rest of us, you know. He has some money, so he decided to start his own wrestling company, which yeah. you can do. <laughs> if you have the money, you can do it. And 
I think that, you know, we're, we're, you know, Jay, we're about a year and a half into AEW. Uh, our first show we ever did on this particular topic was Double or Nothing 2020. And so we've been doing this for almost a year, and it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe that. Uh, but but throughout that year, through the, the peaks and the valleys and things like that, I've said this before, but the fact that Tony Khan is a wrestling fan is uh, it's a breath of fresh air because it seems like a lot of people get lost in that. A lot of people go more for the, um, you know, just for the entertainment, if you will. Tony Khan seems like a genuine wrestling fan. So uh, yeah. big, big props to AEW, big props to him. Um, uh, check out the Whole Fast Coffee or Whole Fast Coffee Company. Go to wholefastcoffeeco.com and use that promo code Heel Turn Twenty to get twenty percent off your basket today. We're gonna just end the show there, Jay. We're just that gonna end the show to here. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, Barista of the week would be Brody Lee Jr. Yes, uh, big shout out to Brody Lee. He's silky. Jay Johnson. I am Lance Augustine. Until next week, it is it is I guess New Year's Smash Day One. We're gonna get very. We're going to get in depth with that. We're probably going to shit on the product again. But for this week, you're all safe. And uh, prayers to Brody Lee and his family. So with that, see you next week.